<laughs> welcome, welcome to another uh, nosedive of an episode crashed and guided by your lovely interns, Lucas and Riley. <laughs> interns were on time, they just got distracted. <laughs> see, Chris, the, the, what you don't know is we're in the back in the green room and we see the chat going and we're just like, hmm. We'll make them sit for uh, another minute or two. We'll sip this coffee a little bit, go over our brainstorm ideas. Because although this is highly unscripted, we do want to make sure that we don't have any audio silence, lulls, repeat ourselves, or just overall have an uneventful, boring episode. So as much as this is 100% unscripted, we are in the back making sure we've got a loose plan. What's yes. up, Summer? How you doing? Good morning, everybody. Morning, yeah. Ish. Morning, Steven. Morning, morning, Jen. Morning, Chris. Everybody who's here. Good morning. Good morning. We love you all. It's mm. pretty cool to like be sitting in the green room and see people like pop in, like waiting, like already, like ready to rock. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I mean, makes this a lot more fun than if we were just talking amongst ourselves. <laughs> right. Right. And I and I do need to sneak this in here and we haven't mm-hmm. talked about it, but my schedule at work is going to change in the next okay. couple weeks. So there's a good chance that this show will move to a different day. Good to know. So just throwing that out there. Want to preemptively burst your bubble now. Yeah. Uh, keep um, me updated. Yeah. Cause... We'll let you guys know. Unfortunately, I'm at the mercy of, uh, you know, how I pay my bills, of course, which is the day job. So. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. But yeah. one way or another, the, the podcast will still go on. It'll still exist. It'll still get put up on all the platforms and everything. And be funny um, if if it ends up being whatever day we have to move to. If Eric can't do it, but Owen can, that would be ooh. funny. <laughs> well, the thing is, it, it. Oh, dang it! Unfortunately, it'll be a weekday. But you know what we could do is we could push it back later by a few hours. Mm. And what that does is it actually opens up. Um, time zone for the morning australians to join in like scott that would be good because yeah. right now it's about three in the morning over where scott's at in australia <laughs> right so carpets so and th- second cups of coffee there's there's <laughs> give and take there's pros and cons there's ebb and flow we're just we're just rolling with it you know yes. um yes. maybe one day one day the the network will be financially self-sufficient with uh, corporate sponsorships and contracts and all sorts of stuff. And we'll all have full-time contracts for this and this will be our day job. And then we'll do this every single day, you know, but that until then pretty damn cool. I, you know, I see a lot of the guys that do professional podcasting um, for fun with, they have guests on or just really stimulating discussions. And it's, you know, it's just seems like having conversations with very intelligent people and absorbing that and discussing it and understanding more. And there's nothing kind of more engaging than such a topic. So I think it would mm. be fun. But uh, oh, 100%. That would I'm be just along for the ride. You know, yeah, I got the coolest fortune cookie the other day. And I don't put any <laughs> fortune cookies. <laughs> I already know they're like mass produced and printed somewhere and dished out everywhere. But, you know, sometimes those mass produced corporate uh, fortune cookies just kind of land in the right place at the right, right time. It's like a Snapple cap. Kind yeah. Of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're aging ourselves now. Um, but uh, yeah, it said you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And uh, it was kind of coming around right that time where like things are just getting good, even better, mm. settling in. It just it all feels right, you know, mm. so man i'm i'm not i'm not trying to to 
move past this moment to get somewhere else. I'm just trying to enjoy Dude, the ride. That's the sweet spot of life right there. I'm happy to hear that. That's mm-hmm. that's that's fantastic. <laughs> it's cool, man. I hope everyone can find that sometime. I think that really... I would be feeling pretty close to the same way if it weren't for be my sick. update, which is that I have mono. Yeah. <laughs> so I really need the coffee these days. I'm just yeah. a walking sleep person, but <laughs> yeah. we'll get you. We'll get you right and out of that rain sometime soon. Yeah, it's all it's all good. It just could be keep worse. Staring at Aspidites, you'll stay awake. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's plenty of worse things to have, so yeah. yeah. But it's I think it's kind of funny because it's that sickness that everybody has when they're in like middle school and high school, and then in college you're like, oh, like oh, you're kind of late to the mono game, and then here I am, like. See, I never had it. My brother post-grad. did though. My oh, brother yeah. got it. I think my brother got it twice. Oh, brutal. Yeah, <laughs> extra <he> was, brutal. <laughs> well, he was a popular kid. What can I say? <laughs> there you go. I was the dirt ball <laughs> skating in like ditches and like. <laughs> always scabbed up and beat up with long greasy hair and just little skate rat. So, um, I yeah. avoided it, but, uh, I thought I was going to avoid it, but well, there you go. It's, uh, just another <laughs> life lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Again, plenty hey. of worse things to have. It's kind yeah, of funny. Like COVID. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then COVID, there's some humor worse. in that, like hiding from COVID for an entire year and a half. And then as soon as I poke my head out of my little bunker, it's like, mono, (laughs) get back in there. Get back in there. (laughs) But absolutely. What are you going to do? Yeah. (laughs) Take it as it comes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But, you know, still life goes on. We had a good day at the shop on Saturday. Still made it out to SAC to hang out and clean cages and see the birth of some Wilma's. That was awesome. Yeah. So Brett, <laughs> right as you said, Woma, yes, Brett, Brett emerged in. from the mist. <laughs> yeah. So um, Saturday was a good morning at the shop as far as uh, the breeding season's going. And so we went to pull the blackhead eggs that were out at on. Uh, they were on day 58. <laughs> and so we were just going to manually pip them just to make sure things were good because some of the eggs were looking a little crummy. And, uh, and we just opened a little window in each one. They all have live, healthy babies in there. So there are three blackheads that should be exiting those eggs in the next week or so. Yeah. So that was pretty sweet. And then the the surprise when Grant comes out was that the, the first clutch of Womas from the normal banded female were starting to pip on their own. So yeah. two of those babies were out. I haven't followed up. You know, this was a couple of days ago. They're probably yeah. all out I'm by sure now. They're out. Yeah. But, uh, oh, that was so cool. And yeah. for me, like, that's the first time I've ever seen in person uh, Woma's coming out of eggs, you know, Woma's being born. I've seen it with like colubrids and king snakes when I was at the vivarium, yeah. but there was something different about that. It was so yeah. cool. <laughs> and, and just right cool out the is egg. There. They're sitting in the bin, like yeah. already squaring off of you, opening their mouths, tongue flicking, biting, just yeah. like ready to scare off a predator were at like a few hours spicy. old exactly it speaks to the environment that they're born in in the wild you know you don't have the luxury of being a baby you have to be ready to to throw hands (laughs) yeah exactly so brett i know you're you're listening here quite keenly but this is not the reduced pattern Mm -hmm. uh woma female her 12 egg clutch uh, I'm going to be completely honest with one of the lids on the egg box got knocked off briefly. And so it got a little over aerated and we lost a few eggs, but there are still what looks to be seven eggs that we left going. 
definitely four that are perfect. So um, we're shooting for seven yeah. for that one and seven for the other one. Uh, so, yeah. you know, 14 Womas is pretty good if that's that's what it ends up as, 14 Womas and three Blackheads. So, yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, yeah. obviously those eggs for both of those species are, are notorious for being tricky to hatch. And um, I, I happened to be in the shop that day that Grant discovered that lid issue and, mm -hmm. and that little bit of dry environment. And, you know, he basically, he, what he was saying is that had to have just happened within the yeah. past 24, 48 hours. It, it just happens quick. If yeah. anything gets out of whack with them, it's just an instant problem. Seems um, well now but, we've got those sim containers in at the shop, so I imagine yeah. we'll be doing a lot more with those and trying those out for some of the the trial and error within those species. So yeah, but yeah. needless to say, more aspidites on the ground. I will say day. too, I only got kind of the quick glance because we didn't want to mess with them too much. Right. But what I did see of the blackheads, there's some nice pattern in those eggs. One of them in particular, I keep going back to the picture I took, mm -hmm. had just really clean, thick blotches. I can't wait to see what they look like yeah. emerged because if they look like mom and, uh, you know, dad a little different, but he's pretty good looking too. I think there should be sure. some really pretty babies in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The more, uh, the more blackhead talk I'm around, the more I see it, <laughs> you know, I'm like, shoot, these things are freaking kind of cool. You know, yeah, they I'm are. like, Oh, great. Get obsessed with another large Python. You don't have space for. I know. <laughs> I'm going to shoot over. If you want to share it, I'll shoot over the picture I'm talking about where you can see some, some good banding. Yeah. Um, Send but... them over. We'll pull them up. I, uh, Man, I'm so excited. There <laughs> we go. Would uh would 14 Womas be the shop record? I know Grant's had yeah. some in the past, right? But yeah, it's always been one clutch in the past and just like a couple things here and there. That's so awesome. Such nice animals too. I, I like I think both clutches are gonna have some really standout animals. So yeah. there's look at uh, that. Yeah, there's the first. It's just a little peak, but it looks so clean. <laughs> yeah. First signs of life. The first blackheads born in the shop. First shop and this shop, period. So that one is the one I'm really excited to see. Yeah. So that <laughs> one looks nice. And then um here is another shot of yeah. a different <clears throat> egg. And so that this was still sitting on the polyfill. This yeah, was that... the egg. This was the first one we cut open exactly. that has like a partial boob eggs section. It was really uh, in or deflated. It had sort of kind of gone. It was the one that we were super questionable yeah, on. Yeah, I thought that that egg was probably not going to be viable to be truthful. And and right after he manually pipped uh, that that baby moved. You know, it did a kick and yeah. That, was just so cool. Like if, if that one's going to be okay, then the other two are definitely going to be okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cause that oh. one was the shadiest looking egg of the bunch. Yeah. But you know what they say? Some, <clears throat> some crazy stuff can happen out of funky looking eggs. And mm -hmm. you know, if it's a good egg and it's next to moldy eggs, it's not going to go bad. I've got a clutch of coastals right now where one eggs tanked like immediately. And I just left it. Mm -hmm. And all the eggs are perfect around it that are touching it. They're all fine. I never nice. sweat a bad egg anymore. I haven't I haven't really had any issues unless it's like a really nasty, aggressive mold and things are like too wet. You should never have to worry about that. So right. Right, right. So yeah, that'll be cool. Now we now we wait for the blackheads to emerge and 
we'll sack some and figure out what the ratio is. And then you, you and Grant figure out. Yeah. You know, we'll have a little, what. it'll be a short and sweet fantasy draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He'd and take then, that one. I'd take that one. All done. <laughs> yep. like... And then the Wilmas will come and Grant will figure out what he wants to keep. And I'll figure out which ones I'm cherry picking and then we'll yeah. sell the rest. And then me and Brett will throw down for. Yeah. You guys will we'll have to have like an event where you guys get together and like, we'll have like a triathlon of sorts. Okay. Shoot. I, I mean, if, if I get to wait for the mono to clear to compete, I'm in, I would lose <laughs> right now. Cause I can barely go upstairs without. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And then um, let's touch on this. Bob Evans. Do you recommend the polyfill substrate? You want to, you want to touch on yeah, that real quick? So uh, my recommendation, if you want to use the polyfill substrate is make sure um, you're using enough so that the weight of the egg doesn't compress it down and still get it near the moist substrate. If, if so, the idea is it's essentially, what a sim container is it's just instead of using a rigid uh <coughs> excuse me a rigid uh surface for the eggs it's a more cushion contoured surface and it doesn't wick up water because it's plastic based so you can have all sorts of water or whatever you want underneath it but you just you need to have a dry layer on top so using some sort of cocoa blocks that are really wet or some sort of you know, hatching media underneath that's really wet. And then the polyfill, what it does is it contours nicely to your eggs, but it doesn't wick up water, but you need to make sure it's thick enough. So you need to make sure you have a big enough egg box if you do that. Um, but it's great. Um, it's, it's a really kind of like DIY sim container sort of thing. So it's pretty nice. I use it. Uh, I've been using it this season. I've got Kribo eggs using it. Uh, one of my Kribo egg boxes, I oversaturated and didn't have enough polyfill because it was a small box. So I ended up shifting that one, but I've got four eggs on that that are going perfectly. So I like it. Next season, what I'll do is I'll just make sure I use it with bigger egg boxes, I guess. So Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, on that topic too, just kind of in anticipation of actually having eggs for the first time, I've mm -hmm. been testing different methods in my incubator. I've got three different methods going right now with a goatee nice. in each one to see like i was kind of hoping that one of them would not work so that i could rule something out mm. <laughs> but so mm -hmm. far they're all like achieving the right results and interesting and so the first one is and three different kinds of boxes too like i was trying to do some science here and figure out what i want to do but they all seem to be working which is like i guess that's a good thing but it's also like shit because <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the you fuck? got it too uh, dialed in now yeah so i've got the one with super wet perlite and the layer of polyfill so basically gx3 method but i didn't have cocoa blocks so i just did perlite right and then the next one was just the perlite and the light diffuser panel just super mm -hmm. classic basic yep. you know and that's totally working too and then on saturday i picked up one of those sim containers that mm -hmm. that's at the shop now and i did just water and polyfill to keep it from splashing like mm -hmm. we were talking about mm -hmm. and that's working great too <laughs> yeah know? that one yeah. i will say has the most condensation um even though mm -hmm. i did have the polyfill i think just still so much you know water in there yeah is still uh causing little droplets so maybe that one's the one that is least good maybe i should try perlite in there but so the been... thing the trick with any droplets on a lid is 
tilt your box, put right. a pencil under the back or something like that. So it all off. rolls down. Yeah. If you're having issues with that and you already have eggs in there and you can't really make major adjustments on the fly, do that. Um, but yeah, totally. I would say that method is probably the one that has the most volatility. Yeah, I would agree based on what I'm seeing, but you know, in terms of at least the numbers, you know, I've been tracking it on the the little Bluetooth app that the Gobies nice. can pair with. And uh, yeah, my temperatures are sticking right around where I want them and humidity between like 97 and 99.9. So I feel like I'm ready and, and nice. soon the snakes will be too, because we've got two ovulations in the room now uh, for brettles, both hypo head stripes. So Apparently, double hets hate me, but the other ones are doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. one of them. There's one. It's just starting that ovulation. Yeah, um, it's, but it's pretty obvious to see how taut and swollen yeah. her back third is. Her posterior is pretty she thick, uh, pretty dense. She thick. Yeah, and that that that's one snake that hasn't eaten for me uh, in weeks. You know, it's been off food, and also the only one where I haven't seen any locks, but you know, that just goes to show just cause you don't see it. It doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, I, I, I sleeped, I can't watch all the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hear that. <clears throat> so super exciting. And I still have faith in one of the double head females, but then that fourth one is, is definitely just not doing it. And I'm, I'm like 99% certain my Bradley is like, not going mm. didn't get cold enough yeah that's yeah that's my assumption for sure i i'd say that's probably true um i was only you able did the to best get you could do <laughs> yeah i didn't want to kill the the missus's plants in the bathroom by dropping it down that cold because i was right. you know i got it down to 64 but like that's nothing you know mm. yeah 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 i wonder maybe if next year if you really want to give that a go, but you're still in the same spot. Maybe you could chill them at the shop or something with, with the other stuff there. Yeah. Um, I better not be in the same place next year. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> no, that would be really like really bad. God, that'd be, I, that would be really bad. I would be forced to get rid of a lot if I was in the same place, because by that time I will have 2.2 Apodora here. Yes. Yes, you will. Which is dope. <laughs> Some captive bread in that too. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. So uh as everybody knows, I'm obsessed with Apodora, have been for some time. My mail that I got from Dan Maleri last year, right before COVID hit, who's a an imported little baby, like still had the umbilical slit, was super, super tiny, like the tiniest I've ever seen. Didn't even know they started out that small. Yeah. Um, like small enough where you could see visibly where the heart was. And uh, so he's like a year and a half old now and uh fantastic animal. But obviously it was like, well, I need to get more. And, you know, everybody who's listened to any of the podcasts and stuff like that has heard that Eric bought um, a pair of U.S. captive born and bred 2017 animals from Kevin out in Illinois when he hatched those for the first time then. And unfortunately, along the line, his mail passed. And uh, somewhere along that line, Eric's focus began to sort of evolve and shift and decided that he would send me his captive born and bred female as sort of like a, an indefinite breeding loan and, mm -hmm. uh, and just keep that project going. Well, then it also turns out um, a 
another mutual friend of ours is in possession of a pair of Apidora from that same clutch who's looking to move them on for space reasons as well. And I have since bought those. So those will be coming in in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that, you know, yeah. there's just captive U.S. born and bred Apodora. That's not yeah something you're going to see all the time. <laughs> and, and, and lately I've been seeing a lot of people posting successful clutches and hatching of uh, Madagascar giant hognose and things. So I feel mm. so much better about moving that group to Owen, seeing mm -hmm. that other people are having success. Because that right. was the whole point of, you know, trying to figure them out was to make sure that they were still at least somewhat represented in the hobby. Now I'm seeing a bunch of people with them for their own interests and everything. And it's great to see. So I don't feel so bad about um, sending those off on breeding loan to Owen indefinitely. So that'll yeah. be Apodora cage. I'm shipping out my proven coastal Exanic later today to a friend of mine down in SoCal, who's uh, <laughs> finally taking the plunge into Morelia. So nice. Very happy nice. for him. Very happy for him. He's, you know, he's good with big colubrids. So um, this will be, I think, an easy transition for him. Mm. Um, so I'm happy to send him her and a holdback coastal of mine. So that opens up a cage for Apodora. Then I'm just going to figure out where the fourth one's going to go. So right on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we talk about it. I think we hit on it pretty extensively last week. Just, you know, finding out where your passion lies and going for it, you know, and yeah. I think that it's probably safe to say that you and I are, are both kind of trying to do that to the best of our abilities, you with the Apodora and me with blackheads. And, you know, I, I I'm so excited for you that you're going to have that group and just be able to like devote your hobby time into something like that, which is just, you know, I monumental it, task. <laughs> I foresee it really forcing me to be even more and more selective over the next five years with my Morelia group. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of things that I've put a lot of time and passion into with, with my carpets. And, and then there's a lot of the et cetera stuff that keeps my passion there by mm -hmm. being novel, you know? So I could never, I hope to never have to limit myself to that point. I hope, you know, obviously my ambition is to get into a house this year. Right. Um, so, you know, space will open up at that point. Uh, and I know that's a terrible thing to plan upon with big snakes. It's not the best plan. Like try and plan ahead and be better than I'm doing. But the problem is, is I, I am afflicted with a, a very deep uh, blood born obsession. So it's not going away. So I can't help it. Um, and, and this was, you know, obviously it's easy to, to, justify things and we do it to ourselves all the time but in this case it really was like a must do mm -hmm. like you're not going to come no across no that again that. yeah if i said no <laughs> to that i would have lost friends i would have lost the respect of so many people they'd have been like dude you're just one we, of those talkers yeah. and not a doer we all know that you needed to have those animals <laughs> yeah and as soon as i verbally committed to it i didn't have the like buyer's remorse where i'm like mm -hmm. shit i shouldn't do this Ish That's just pulled a trigger on an MIA jungle. Good for you, man. You won't regret nice. that. Those um, are beautiful. My, my female just shed. Um, and man, that's a different type of jungle. Their face is rich black, bright yellow, but then the body is just natural. It's interesting. It's, it's not like anything else in the United States they've seen mm -hmm. as far as that look. Um, 
I'm very excited for that project. That's another thing that like I could never get rid of because that's new jungle blood and like yeah. you know my and stripe, they're gorgeous yeah <laughs> and like my stripe jungle project I've you know I've got like several years of work going into that raising up animals holdbacks a lot more I want to accomplish you know there's there's all sorts of stuff um for sure you know I want to make more uh albino citrus tigers but with higher citrus tiger blood in them down the line i want to do more of that i want you know i want to keep going with the jungles and i don't know there's just there's just too much stuff i love super zebras you know like mm -hmm. you know how it is absolutely yeah and and you know i guess i'm a little bit fortunate in that I'm kind of finding where I want to specialize before I really have my, my stuff built out. Right. Like yeah. I, I don't have a full room of animals yet where I have to, you know, necessarily cut back to mm -hmm. add. I'm just kind of being really careful with what I do add right. <laughs> with the little bit of space I have left. But, you know, even with that said, like there are still things that I'm having to, to look at now and kind of reevaluate like, like with my, um, stonewashed girl you mm -hmm. know i think i've talked about this before she's great love that animal but with two adult pairs of double heads you know i'm, I'm gonna be producing stonewashes from those animals and and you know i could hold on to her and uh do some different things with that you know i could end up pairing her with my full blood hypo het stonewash stuff later and make 50 percent hypos yeah, to offer man. like a a, a lower tier of people you know, are really getting into Bradley these days. hundred percent. So it, it, like, it's a situation for me with that, where it's like, I'm not going to sell her. Mm -hmm. I don't want her to go away, right. but she also doesn't have as much of a purpose in my plans as she sure. did before my bread like group expanded like this. When Nick decided to be a super nice Nick and send me animals. Um, so you know, with that being said, I'm, I'm what I'm planning on doing is just gifting her to a really good friend of mine, uh, one of my biology coworkers who is getting really into Morelia. And like, that's kind of the perfect happy medium where she's not going to be here. You can still access her. Exactly. You, she's you not going to be breeding. here. I won't have to have a big cage for another big adult Brettles girl because they're not small snakes. Mm -hmm. um, and but like you said, if, if I ever decide that I want to try something out with her or that I ever need her back, or even if I just want to go through and say hello, you know, and, yeah. you know, see that animal as, Absolutely. as an animal that I've raised, um, I'll be able to do that. So, yep. you know, something like that is kind of a, a good little happy medium as well. If you have friends, you know, you don't always have to sell That's it true. to the stranger on Morph, Morph Market. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's see, that's the hard part. I'm getting to the point where like, in order to make room for things, it's, you know, do I, do I sell that animal that I've raised forever? That was like a, a coveted animal that I finally like worked up and gotten. Now I have it. And now it's like, can we get rid of that? Like, right. I don't, I don't like, I don't like being in that position. It's tough. It, it, it's yeah. not an easy decision. Right. Cause that's when you, you really feel the difference between 
people that collect things that aren't alive and then people that have living animals, right? Like yeah. if we were yeah. stamp collectors or whatever the hell collectors and we needed to make room, it's kind of an easier decision than when they're right. living, breathing, and you've raised them from being a baby. You know, <laughs> there's a different exactly. connection at that point, or at least there should be in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, but it is what it is, you know, and if, like you said, if you've got good friends, you can sort of find a, a happy middle ground somewhere and make sure they're at least going somewhere where they'll be loved and appreciated and you always have access to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, Eric obviously is, is really big on too. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting why at this mm-hmm. point, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's certainly a, a it's big, more, it's more pro. fun. It's more comfortable that way. You just, you feel better about the decisions and the people involved and, and it's just, it's a lot more agreeable. Um, yeah. And we all just, have those people yeah. for the most part, you know, that are just getting into this thing that, that you want to support, you know, you want to kind of feed their fire a little bit and, of course. you know, steer them in the right direction. So when, when you do have the ability to do that, it, it's a super cool thing to be able to do. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's hard to get rid of stuff when you have aesthetic value, but, you know, yeah. Like I've got it. I've got animals that are ten years old that I've raised up from babies. And stuff. I can <laughs> never, I can never get rid of that snake. No way. Hundred percent. No yeah. way. So what does that mean? More space and dealing with <laughs> tetrising and maybe you know, a room that doesn't look as aesthetically pleasing as it could. You know, but uh, yeah. It's just you can't keep it all. You gotta you gotta really ask yourself what um what, what you really want to work with, you know, at yep. the end of the day, what's, what's the, you know, the hard line in the sand. So hundred percent. And yeah. then, you know, then there's the people who like really focus and, and like they've watched from a very early standpoint and only done one thing and they've really dialed themselves in on one species or something. And they just kind of knock it out of the park. I'm not sure if, uh, if Shane Adamson works with many other species, but, um, I think it is worth mentioning that Shane Adamson got a clutch of Halmahera scrubs. So very nice. Yeah. So, uh, Looks like six good eggs. That's, I think, like the fourth or fifth time that species has ever been bred in captivity, period. So that's a pretty big deal. That's awesome. And That is awesome. We in the Morelia world love our sister species of Somalia and <laughs> Aspidites and everything. So this is, this falls in there, you know, Morelia traceae or Somalia traceae. I'm not sure what the most up-to-date is. He's got mm-hmm. it written as Morelia Tracier. I don't have a problem with it. Call it what you want. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, that's no, pretty that's freaking badass. cool. <laughs> that's cool. That's another species I'm like, dang, that, that's awesome. Right. Oh, so it looks the, like the, Shane produced Sabus too. So. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Halmaharas, the thing with them is that they are a smaller scrub, right? Yeah. But they're just very high strung and, and, and reluctant and they, to... They don't have red uh, red babies. They don't have red neonates like the others too. So uh, you talked to Rob Stone about that, and he kind of has this whole hypothesis as to why, and then it it proved out to be accurate. Um, nice. So, Good old Bob Rock. 
Yeah, Bob Rack. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's cool, badass. dude. I, I, I really love sitting back on the sidelines and seeing so many cool species being bred. It's hard not to, like, want all these cool species, you know? For sure. Have you ever had the uh, the scrub itch? Have you ever thought about diving into scrubbies at all? You know, I, I pondered it uh, when I went to Brandon's house and played with his at Carpet Fest a few years ago. And we've got a pattern list uh, at the shop mm -hmm. right now that's kind of interesting. He's spicy. And yeah, he, he's not bad, though. Like, if you understand how they work, you just know how to turn off that food response a little mm -hmm. bit and just avoid it. And so they kind of remind me of like big carpets. Um, mm -hmm. And if I'd have found them earlier on, I think for sure I would have, I would have had the bug for them. And then I'd be even more conflicted today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So. I, the ones that, that pique my interest are those Wamina mm. uh, scrubs. Those ones super pretty, stay a little smaller. That would be what I would try if I ever dove into uh, that. See, for me, if, uh, you know, life were perfect, warehouse, funding, resources, yes. space, time, etc. NPR Serpentarium. Know, yeah. If I were to do that, I would go for the biggest damn bar neck I could get my hands on. <laughs> That's like, seriously, like anytime Rob Christian over at Nerd is posting his bar necks and shit, I'm like, dude, I get it. Yeah, no, they're they're incredible animals. There's I there's no doubt when you it. see one, yeah. it's just like it captures the eye. They're they're gorgeous. Yeah, um, and Ryan brings up a good point. The pattern in Southerns is really cool. Mm -hmm. It's about as close to King Horny as you can get. Mm -hmm. The uh, the Australian like fifteen footers at like big tanks like those are badass. Yeah, I think those that would be so cool. I will accept being wrong and continue to say King Horny. <laughs> Just because I, I will laugh every time I have to say that if it's King, King Horny. Yeah. King Horny Dang. Reptar behind you. Look at him. Yeah, that dude's King Hungry. <laughs> Always. Dude. Dude is King Hungry all the time, huh, buddy? Such a good wizard. Alex Oliver, let's see some baby citrus tigers. We're definitely going to do that eventually. Yeah, we, we got to check those out. Well, so let's let's ease into that. Let's kind mm -hmm. of there was a segment I kind of wanted to like work into that. Um, okay. uh, and I was hoping Owen would have funneled me uh, a reference at this point because he had mentioned that um, he had seen some posts about somebody posting something about a, an IJ jungle jag uh, and thinking it was like pure or something like that or like in somehow shape or form trying to deny that there was no coastal in it, <laughs> which is just, oh, that's, that's where the Jag comes from. Right. Yeah. It has <laughs> to have. So anyway, um, yeah, there's, there's some, some new folks getting into the hobby. It seems that it maybe don't have a full grasp on some of the labels and what they reflect as, as, some are crosses. So anything that has the word Jag in it or anything that came from a Jag pairing has to have coastal in it. I don't care yes. what else is in it. That's just how it works. It's the same thing with albino. Uh, anything that yes. has albino or het or any lineage from that has Darwin in it. Um, mm -hmm. And the asterisk with that is yes, there are albino coastals in Australia. There is one individual who has them 
zero people will be getting them. And I have it on good authority from some folks in Australia that those will never, ever leave certain hands because if you're a morph person or you have friends who are morph persons, he won't let you have those. He won't even let people photograph them. So he doesn't risk intellectual property being stolen. Somebody else trying to scam other people, which I fully respect yeah. um, and understand. And so basically what I'm trying to say is probably never in the next 30 to 50 years will albino coastals leave this individual's hands or enter the United States. So with that out of the way, anything that, uh, any carpet pythons in the United States that are albinos or head albinos, they all have Darwin blood in them. No, no arguments. That is, that is fact. fact. That's yes, where it that comes from. How it works. That is how it works. <laughs> yes. Um, the same, and, and Ryan brings up a good point. Same with ocelot. However, there are several lines of ocelot. There are some folks working with pure line bred ocelots that are just jungles, but there are folks who have separated the ocelot gene from the ocelot jags, which means there's coastal origins. You really need to know which line you're talking about, who they came from, i.e. Mike Curtin or somebody else. Um, so just, there's a lot in a name in carpet pythons. There really is a lot in a name. Um, so when, when I say albino citrus tigers, um, what that means is they are coastal Darwin's at the very least. The citrus tiger is a coastal project. Albino is a Darwin project. Like there's no debating that there's no albino brittles. It's not just a brittles, <laughs> you know. Correct. That, yeah, that's another great example. The same, that's same idea. Example. That's going to have Darwin it's, in there. It's Darwin and Bradley Cross. That's yeah. that's full species hybrid. That's like yeah, oof. that's another another um, level. <laughs> yeah, that's the line I don't cross. But um, but anyway, that's there's a lot in a name. Now, if we wanted to really simplify it, or if we're putting it in writing in a way or in a form where there'll be newcomers that maybe don't know that yet to really explain uh, to really explain that in a name I, for an albino citrus tiger, I would say um, uh, a citrus tiger cross Darwin uh, albino, or maybe 25% citrus tiger, 75% Darwin albino or something like that, you know? Right. So um, you could you could go either way. There there isn't really a standard right now for the hobby, but there sort of is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an unspoken standard. So when somebody says zebra jag, you know that's a, a zebra, so it's jungle and a jag, so it's coastal. So you know it's a cross. Right. An IJ jag. It's a cross for now, like Brandon we like, says. Well, yeah. So until the new carpet <laughs> python book comes out, well, yeah. Well, it you know you got to wait for the book to come out. And then you got to read joking. the science and the, the validation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we, it's all going to be up in the air. That is very true. We'll see what happens. But for now, this is where the classification stands. Mm-hmm. And then what has to happen is when the book comes out, I think, um, you know, it'll be obviously peer reviewed by the scientific community and, and we'll see if it's, it's widely accepted or not pretty quickly. Um, there will always be people who won't accept taxonomical changes and there will be people who, uh, strive to stay as up to date with the the tax taxonomical relevance as possible, but you can always disagree on the science. So, absolutely, we'll see when that comes out. We'll just have to see. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. 
I love I love the books. I love hearing that it's going to be bigger. I love hearing that there's going to oh, be yeah. new photographs, more elaborate subjects and things. I'm just excited to to have another book to to read and reference and oh, you know, agreed. it's I, not going to it's not going to change what I keep or how I keep or what I breed or how I breed. I can promise you that. So, I can't wait and and even just you know, obviously everything that was there before is expanded, but then there's also just going to be entirely new stuff, like an expanded section on Owen Pelly. You know, I can't, write, right. can't wait to read that. Yeah. Um, That's gonna it, it's going to be great. I'm going to have to lock myself away for a few days when when that gets on my doorstep. But yeah, it's going to be a great book. It's probably going to sell out pretty damn quick, too. Yes. <laughs> All this anticipation. <laughs> Soon People as I can't see, even get the first one. <laughs> oh yeah! Soon as I see any notice of like pre-order or anything like that, I'm yeah. gonna buy. I'm gonna try and buy two. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's smart. I only bought one the first time. I should have bought two. And then I'll call Nick and be like, "Will you sign it for yeah. me?" <laughs> yeah. So I'll be like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stupid kid. <laughs> um. Should we look at citrus tiger? Well, yeah. Break those out. Okay. Show us. Show us something good. Do we want to start with hats? Do we even care about the hats? I I think it's all cool, man. Let, let's go from, in your opinion, least cool to most cool. <laughs> well, I you mean, you got some caramel in there too, don't you? Well, so here's the thing: like, there's a lot of Darwin blood in these babies, so they're naturally, you know, coming out with some red neonatal colors and copper eyes and things like that. But yeah, their blacks are not black; they're brown. The tans are very caramely. And of course they're striped. Ooh. So, um, you know, it's hard to say what's at play to give them this color. Is that because of the Darwin? Cause Darwin's have very red bellies. Right. So this, you know, this one I have labeled as just a, a citrus tiger head albino. And because it's only 25% coastal, there's a lot of Darwin blood in these things. So the hats, like, in my opinion, I think show a lot of that Darwin influence, but then there's some that are, just this creamy caramel washed out color. So there's a lot that I suspect are caramel citrus tigers. But then when I, when I compare them, I'm just like, I don't know. Right. They're like, obviously once they shed, I'll know more. Yeah. Um, That was a beautiful snake though. They're, they're just from the get go. (laughs) Yeah. They're really cool. There's a lot of variety. The nice thing is literally everything is striped. Mm hmm. Uh, so, so it's just like you know every single one of these animals is going to be nuts regardless of what it is or how it looks this one's like the least striped but it has uh it's it's like striped all the way down the back half mm-hmm. it breaks up it gets banded nice and that one, that one I suspect is a caramel because it's very like tan and orange, like a different color. So I don't know. Obviously, once they shed, I'll see more. More will be revealed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, depending on what they shed out and how they look, I don't know if I'll, I might, I don't know. I might keep one het female or something like that. It just depends what, what comes out. I don't know. Um, no, that's not the one I wanted to show off. <laughs> there's it's, it's it's kind of sad to say it, but out of the six albinos, there's one that like I can't see the pattern as well, so I'm not mm. going to show that one here, sure, just because like you can't see it on that one. But the neat thing is the the ones that I suspect are caramel albinos. Um, 
they're like there's purple to them. Huh. Easy killer. Yeah, look at that. That's just nuts. <laughs> it's a worm. <laughs> so this one um, also has quite an uh, an aberrant sort of R stripey pattern. <laughs> um, oh, don't little, pee on my computer. Pee. Oh, pee on, on computer. my laptop. How Not weird. ideal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. It's a little bit trickier to see, you know, obviously over the webcam, but those pictures that you sent to the chat, you know, you could see despite that really light color that there was that stripe pattern and some cool stuff Dude. going on underneath that'll probably come out with each shed. So yeah, and they're going like, to be gorgeous. Some of them, um, the side patterns are all connected and they look all obliterated and uh, we're all wrinkly. I hope these things shed soon. Oh, by the way, Jeff was asking how long are those yeah. pop ones going to shed, bro. I've got some that still haven't shed and they're like three and a half weeks old. So <laughs> hang on to your butt. They're taking their time. So this guy's all nice. recently starting to near his first shed, but you can see kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that stripe for sure. They're going to be very, yeah, they're just going to be nuts. Clint lost his laptop with a retic peeing. Oh man, that's well, yeah, retics yeah. pee a lot. <laughs> Baby carpets, it's like a few drops. You know, That'll I wipe be a it whole off water bottle right there. Good. Yeah, yeah, that that would be an expensive. Uh, you know, I'd have to sell that retic and then tack on the cost of the laptop. <laughs> Another reason to not have retics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, those monstrous snakes. Stick with my carpets. Yes, this one. They're all wrinkly. Easy. This one is the the purple and orange candy cane looking. I don't nice. even know. No, don't pee on the computer. That is awesome. Yeah. Just silly. They're gonna be they're gonna be nuts. I can't wait to see them after a few sheds. Yeah. And you yeah. know, this is a project that obviously Eric has been working on for a long time and then now you're able to kind of get it to the next level. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and, and Chris Salemi uh, yeah. also has uh, some citrus tiger stuff pairing with uh, some albino Darwin stuff. So he uh, can also make some of these. I think he tried this year and um, I'm not sure if he had any luck. So he, you know, will probably make some too, but yeah, I mean, Eric really bought that whole project and, uh, took it and ran with it and cleaned it up and then also uh, took part of it into an albino project and has the pure stuff as well. Right. And I know you keep saying that you can't breed Darwins, but I guess you can kind of half breed Darwins. <laughs> no, I wish I could. <laughs> if breed there's the 75% Darwin. Darwin in there. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could just, I think I just got my albino Darwin too big at too young. Obviously. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think she's just a big fat, you know she's like i don't want yeah, to do she, anything like she's so lazy she doesn't do anything so Mer. i'm not going to feed her at all this summer that's going to be her new cycle is she's not going to eat for the next two months yeah see what happens and then when she does get back on food it's going to be like baby meals mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe yeah. that'll cycle her into shed or into wanting to breed this season so she's right. got to justify her existence because after <laughs> Laura, you know 
So that's a valuable four foot cage right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yes, sir. So there's a, there's always that, that need for space and the evolution of it all. And, and now rodent prices are super, super expensive. They are. It's (sighs) brutal. (laughs) It's so expensive. Yeah. I I'm like, yeah, I'm not enjoying medium rats are, are worth their weight in gold. (laughs) Dude. I feed off like 20 small rats a week. Like, and that's, it's bad. It is. I just have too many snakes. <laughs> I know. That's why it's good, too, to have the, you know, the cycle feeding thing down, because at least it's a temporary pain. And then you're like, you don't eat until fall, damn you. <laughs> yeah. My thing is, I've just got too many projects that I just like, I want to do everything. Yeah. It's not, it's not good, man. It's not good. I yeah. think, uh, you know, I, I can see myself eventually having you know, my room where I just have the pop one pythons and I probably also um, maybe move the Kribos into that room, given the climate things I would do. Um, hmm. But, uh, and then pop one carpets, jungles, gotta have those. I love Bradley. I need to breed them. So you have some yeah. nice ones too. Which ones? Your, uh, your adult your adult pair oh yeah they're they're so nice they're beautiful the male reverted back to his monstrous i'm gonna kill you ways (laughs) yesterday man i just i can't relate how did you do that to those animals (laughs) do what i handle them i'm gentle with them i feed them like they're pampered dude is in there and I, i was just like checking on him and i was gonna change his water and he's like trying to go after my hand i'm like stop and then he's like literally going after me. I had to pin him and like get him out of the way. Dude, he was just being a monster. It's like, yeah, I had to use a hook with him. I'm like, you suck. I think You're they a are a species that hook training is a really good thing to do with. Yeah. Um, because I don't know, for, for all of mine, like feeding response, you know, obviously it's strong, it's there. But as soon as I like doink them, they're like, okay, never mind. Yeah. And, and <laughs> well, my head stonewash from Owen is super chill. And my stonewash from Alan is super wait, chill. Wait, wait, wait. A chill snake from Owen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Really>? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So. <sighs> That's funny, sweet. though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still waiting to, to see a mean one. Again, the only thing in here in my entire apartment that wants to bite me is that one super orange Woma. Yeah. Everybody else is trustworthy except for that new thing that I'm going to keep a secret for a while. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That That thing's Mr. You know who sent the video and said, she's a savage. She's a beast. (laughs) She's a bitey beast. I might have some exciting news fellas, but I'm not going to say anything yet except that. So everybody can chew on that for a few weeks (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and everyone can probably guess. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they could guess, but they'll never know, like truly know. You know That's what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get another quarantine cage. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So speaking of caging, did you want to mm. give well, folks updates on that, that cage yeah, situation? Yeah, probably should because... You know, that's something I've been talking about for a while now and I was excited about. But yeah, people that have been following the show probably heard me talk about wanting to add some six foot uh, cages in my room for for some of the bigger animals. And 
I had a couple um, ordered uh, that I was really excited to grab, but you know, unfortunately, life happens, right? And mm-hmm. and the gentleman I ordered them from uh, reached out to me recently and is having some issues that you know go beyond business, and and uh, unfortunately, it's going to have to close up shop. So, you know, he's kind of refunding existing orders and and focusing on some more important things at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Unfortunately, those aren't coming anymore, uh, but I'm going to have to go ahead and order some <laughs> some other ones from somewhere else. And, you know, now it's back to square one of evaluating the options because. Yeah. So if anybody has any good recommendations, yeah, <laughs> there's, know. I know there's black box cages, there's MP cages and exotics. Um you know, those are just the two off the top of my head. I know pvccages.com is there, but I don't know if they make yeah. six footers. It looks like uh, he's more about the arboreal yeah. setups. And yeah. I have his cage for my GTP. It's it's right. very well done, but yeah, I don't know if great. he does anything that big. Yeah, obviously yeah. focus is there, but I think uh, a six right. foot cage and doing some some stuff. Because they, yeah, you, you're not. It's not quite my vibe, those ones. I mean, they're cool. They're cool for what they are, but... Yeah, not quite I'm what not, I'm looking for. I'm not going to go into that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. But yeah, so. it's, it's a little bit of a bummer. You know, I, I had the space cleared out in my room and I was planning around it. But again, life happens and you got to roll yeah. with it. So I, yeah, and I would say, you know, Chris Foley would be my go to, but it sounds like he's pretty focused on a major project for Graham getting right. cages and things built for Zuforia. Uh, so, right, right. I know. I, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say he would be probably be my go-to uh, yeah. assuming he has no problem shipping and, and the cost is there and all that. But um, it sounds like he's going to be busy. Yeah. And I know uh, Loafman Zach got uh, a bunch of big eight footers from the cryptic creations folks. And he was really happy with, with those builds. Oh. Um, so that might Good be another know. one to check out. Good uh, to know. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting, Big ass false water cobra setups going. So nice. I love seeing that, like, as a result of, um, well, it's maybe not the best way to put it. Like, COVID is sort of forcing people to get entrepreneurial, we'll say. Mm, sure. Uh, and uh, the void in the hobby left by some of the cage companies taking a while or, you know, not being able to meet the exceeding demand has allowed a lot of these companies to pop up. So now you have a yeah. lot of options, which is great. That is the good part, 100%. And it, you know, like it was in the chat. Yeah, ish. AP, if you're wet, ready to wait six months, I don't sure. want to wait six months. And six months is probably best case scenario for being honest. Like, that is true. <laughs> when wait, I was waiting for, for my baby honest, rack, it's, yeah, it's probably more like a year from that. When right? I was waiting for my baby rack from them pre COVID, you know, when things were probably even less backlogged for them, I had to wait mm-hmm. seven or eight months. So. I've always managed to find what I need secondhand, which is silly lucky, but, um, nice. Yeah. The, the, the future will either require me to plan ahead. So I'm like taking mental notes of all these cages, you know, do I want to build my future Apodora cages or do I want to buy something? Um, right. You know, yeah. Uh, remains I to be love, seen. Like building stuff like that you know i love doing that i just don't really have the means to do it with this sure. apartment set up you know sure. you kind of need a garage you need you Tools, need a good right right, right. Set up. i loved wood shop though like well the school, nice thing is shit. we're, we're gonna be <laughs> ripping out pvc cages at the shop starting this year so yeah. when the time comes i'll be able to just dude 
have my own custom cages built, whatever I need. Talk about a game changer. That's going to be the best thing ever. (laughs) I'm so excited for that. Yeah. So what I sort of, those will definitely be needed for like upgrades of the collection. But what I'm really kind of envisioning is like Apodora cages. That'll be like six feet by uh, three feet by four feet with like two chambers in there. So I can have like, you know, open and closing access and I don't know, maybe even eight foot by whatever. Um, Yeah. You know, to give them like enough room to stretch out some big branches and logs to exercise, climb, get off the ground. Some big hide boxes. Like it's all going to have to be, you know, handmade sort of a deal as far as the decor and the the Mm -hmm. hides and water feature and whatnot. But that's going to be the fun part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think you and I are, might be Grant, Grant's biggest customers when that's up and rolling. Cause yeah. that's just going to be so nice. And also just for the shop to be able to have a, a collection, nice PVC enclosures mm-hmm. on the floor for people to, to choose from, you know, that don't really want to be doing the exoterra thing. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Cause really, unless you're going to order from somebody online and wait a long time, you can't get that from any other any yeah. other shop um, yeah. you know i know uh ap does an eight foot cage that's like four feet tall and like hmm. maybe two and a half feet deep and like that would be badass but i just i know their lead time is just so gnarly so it is <laughs> yeah it's tough I, and and i i guess i i don't want it to come off like i'm bashing them because i don't know the inner workings of their mm-hmm. operation so i'm not even going to pretend to know what's going on there i'm just saying as far as my considerations go yeah. i'm not in any rush so i'm not buying right now but like you know yeah no i got you i mean there's no doubt that that they're popular for a reason um you know, i've got a stack of seven of them and i love them yeah the products that i have seen from them are really well made and 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 yeah. great but it's just not practical for everybody to be able to wait that long um, sure that, you know i think that's fair to say <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but as uh as jennifer strickland points out boa file that's jeff ronnie's company mm-hmm. i do have one that. from him up yeah top. he's been doing that for like 20 something years i've seen a lot of his products and worked with them in person at other people's collections and that's a great product. Um, Herptastic is another good, good cage manufacturer. Um, Aurora mentioned reptile cages with a K. I have not heard of them, but I will definitely be looking into them. I love that there's so many options and variety out there. And I think a lot of it is regional too, because mm-hmm. just of, you know, demands and need in the hobby, we all pretty much know that the, the hobby's grown exponentially. So the, the need for these cages has as well. So it's cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, My I'll be shopping keeps around. Climbing up on the vision death ledge and falling. <laughs> Some snakes just don't learn. <laughs> yeah, I that, I do not like vision cages. I saw Rudy fall at the shop. The giant oh. black dragon. That was kind she's of funny. So clumsy. We need <laughs> to put a log right there. Yeah, she just whoop. Yeah. when I'm cleaning her pool, she'll climb in and out the whole time, and she likes to just dive bomb when it's empty. And so she'll go diving in and I'll catch her by her tail and just like guide her back down gently. So she, I'm one of the, one of the days she's going to hurt her back. Yeah, hopefully not. But that's yeah. when I heard the thump, I was like, Oh God, like, yeah. and then the sail fins jumping from the pool at the window. Yeah. <laughs> Saw one of those too. Funny uh, animals. Little, lizards are nuts. Crackhead dude. lizards. Yeah. Lizards are nuts. 
the spina the spinulosis. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Grant took those out when I was, I was there. Listening to um, the monitor keeping podcast episode six on UV lighting with uh, with Ryan McVeigh, and it, I'm halfway through it. That's a fascinating episode. If anybody hasn't heard that, if you want to like nerd out on UV lighting, that's the best I've heard so far. Um, he even says spinulosis are just like little rockets with nails that just come flying out of the cages, and I felt so vindicated. I was like, okay, it's not just me. These things suck and I'm not wrong. <laughs> they just fly out and then they're biting and pooping and they have the worst damn fish of claws. And I hate, them. I hate. Them. Yeah. They're really pretty, but kind of, kind of crackhead energy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Grant's all like, Oh, Riley says these things are nasty. Look, they're just, they're great. What do you expect? And then tried to bite him and he's like, well, that one tried to bite me, but trust me, they're great. <laughs> yeah. They're just little bastards. Little, yeah. <laughs> little monsters is what they are. I'm just, I'm not a fan. There are way cooler monitor species out there. I will. Well, I'm not a monitor guy. I think, yeah. I think, you know, so Alan is raising up a female Savannah monitor and, um, when she is showing signs that she is of age in cycling, I'm going to loan him uh, Reptar somewhat indefinitely. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, Reptar is, he's getting up in age. He's like eight years old, you know? So I might, I might let him like retire with Alan uh, mm-hmm. if Alan's up for it and wants to commit the space to him. Um, I don't know how long these guys live. He's eight, you know, I imagine he could live another eight years, but who knows? Um so Alan, if you're listening, that option's out there. I love this lizard, but you know, yeah. I also know that after episode five of the Monitor Keeping podcast, when they talked with, um, oh shoot, I'm blanking on her name. I'm going to pull it up right now so I don't butcher it. Episode five. <laughs> Very was, responsible of you. <laughs> well, so episode five was fantastic as well because yeah. um, they had on savannah season with linnea so linnea is over in switzerland i believe and she's breeding savannah monitors uh successfully and so it was a wonderful discussion so um alan has now got even more invigorated and curious and in doing so and i would love to see captive born bred savannas yeah Um, that that would be something that would be great to see Uh, yeah kind of so shift the (laughs) mm -hmm. the paradigm with them a little bit yeah and and i think alan being more monitor focused i think reptar would would probably thrive there a little bit more you know just the approach to the way he's keeping things in that building is more monitor focused so Mm -hmm. um we'll see how it goes he's he's doing well he's sunning his head right now yeah i see that yeah they're so Um, cool i I mean yeah someday i I would love to have i get my fix at the shop you know yeah yeah you well you get to play with most people's dream lizard with the bell's face lace see that's the thing after playing with those like that's all i want yeah (laughs) (laughs) like any other monitor i'm like yeah that's cool but it's not a lace. i I get it no they're they're just beautiful and intelligent and just the perfect amount of crackhead you know it's what more could you want (laughs) a perenny well there you go yeah but that's yeah. not possible. So I'll that picture that Scott posted and tagged oh. us all in was, <laughs> was unreal. Scott, you're a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That no was fair. That was a beautiful, beautiful animal. And he's like, he's keeping them outside. He's, he's had them for six years. Um, yeah. 
My that's goodness. the dream. Yeah, that that would be <sighs> so cool. Yeah, I'll me... definitely have a monitor someday. It's just me... not time. It's just, yeah. it's not my time. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> I need to be more care. settled in, <laughs> settled down. Right. So here's the here's the shot that we're talking about right there. Look at that. Look at that eye. It's a freaking dinosaur, dude. Look at those damn claws <laughs> on the feet in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, now you know why lizard people's arms are all hacked up like they've been sticking them in a blender. I love Scott's face in that too. He's just yeah, he looks pure like a kid. joy. Yeah. <laughs> just pure pure genuine joy. Yeah. That's Scott's so cool. a good dude, man. He he calls me every once in a while on my drive home from work and it's like perfect timing and we always have good talks and uh nice. last time I got to also talk with Ty on the phone and officially meet her, which was wonderful. They're just such great people and such intelligent, um, herp loving individuals. Like we need more people like that everywhere in the country. Like yeah. they're, they're their own country's species champion. Like Scott and Ty are mm. such a, an unbelievable depth of knowledge when it comes to venomous, to amphibians, to monitors, to like everything that's out there. Just nuts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really hope to, uh, get to Australia with, our little MPR crew and meet them yeah. someday. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, Ish asked if there are perennies in the Ugly. There are. Ty Park has one. He got. He went through the whole process of having one imported, and then I do believe LA Zoo has some. Nice. So nice. They're nice. here. It's just expensive and hard to do. Not yeah. not illegal, just hard and costly. Um, but uh, yeah, monitors, man. That's a whole other. <laughs> that's a whole other building requirement right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, what's it called? The uh, quince, kins, quince. The quince. Yeah, that one that you showed me on Saturday too was, yeah, was also Veranus, really cool. Molinus. Yeah, those are great. pocket monitor. Yeah, he crawled right into the pocket <laughs> of my shirt and hung out in there. Then, that was awesome. Yeah. Riley's running around the shop. Look, I got a lizard in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like childhood dreams doing that, yeah. man. That was that was too funny. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I get to scratch that itch at work, you know. So yeah, um, I just snakes are more my speed. I do have enough going on in my life where I need to not be so tied down to the house every living second. So lizards just don't necessarily agree. Exactly. With yep. My lifestyle. Yep. Um, They're much more on the level of a dog or a cat in terms of what you know, uh, the level of of uh, work on your end. Yeah. Well, and, and so the biggest challenge for me right now is I'm still internally wrestling with this, uh, this need to have all the carpet pythons, like a representative of each. Still Where's your Embricata, bro? I still need Novas and need diamonds and I need inlands. Embricata yeah. until I find a, a viable source of legal United States ones. Like that's just, I think I'll, that I'll worry about that, that in list. a decade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think of that list, you should go for the inlands before the other two. Well, it's funny because I, I have real easy access to a lot of unrelated Novas because there's a lot of okay. those being born this year. So like mm. if I really wanted to, I could easily put together, you know, a, a founder group of Novas. But 20 minutes ago, I was just talking about having too many snakes and road yeah, costs and things. So like there's that side of the fence, you know, so... Yeah, you know, knowing that Novas are around, they're not going anywhere. I'm like, do I get them this year, or do I just resign this year to Apodora? I need it all, damn it! I need it all. And then yeah. there's Wombas hatching in the shop. I'm like, 
it's not good, dude. It's not good. Like I really, I, know. Sh- I really probably shouldn't. Yeah. Anything. Well, that that sometimes that is the answer. You can always come over here and play with my Womas and Inlands. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. So, I uh, you know. I don't know. I just love it all, dude. Yeah. It's... I will say if Justin hatches out some of those AAR inlands this year, though, that, that'll be tricky to uh yeah to look the other more. way on. Yeah. It'd be cool yeah. to have some different blood to go with my Schofield outcross from Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just I need it wouldn't be a problem if I had a house. Yep. That's it. That's the solution. Just yeah, I mean that's that's your next step. My next step is somehow being able to afford both rooms in this apartment and rent the other one for the snakes and then have mine as an actual bedroom. (laughs) You got to get into some tech, my friend. I know it's, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Get this. Well, I got to get through grad school first before I can do anything that will benefit my life financially. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what else were we brainstorming (laughs) about? We, we had a whole list of things. Yes. Uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> we're we're petering out too soon it's only an hour uh, and eight I know. i'm sorry it's the mono blame the mono no i it's, <laughs> it's the it's the intern syndrome when we don't have that third layer of eric in there there's only two brains bouncing off ideas instead of a third brain eric is blessed with the ability to just always have a good conversation starter <laughs> Well, he, you know, something like 10 years experience doing this with people. (laughs) And he talks to so many people from so many backgrounds that do so many things in whatever niche of their hobby they have carved out for themselves. And he's made it a point to get a lot of books and reading material and familiarize himself with so much that's out of like the direct sort of line of thinking when it comes to husbandry of snakes Mm. that he's really got his gears turning on all these sort of tertiary angles to try and figure out like other things he can bring into consideration to care for his animals better or just make it more enjoyable. And it's, it's fascinating because it, the gears that are turning are are very different up, up in his head. Um, And well, so, okay, here's what we can, we can talk about is, is we can kind of get, get into acknowledging the fact that the husbandry standards are changing. Right. I would I think, agree. I think, I think the mainstream think, expectations yeah. are yeah. not what they were. And I, in my opinion, and this is probably what we'll get into, it's for mm-hmm. the better, but mm-hmm. continue. <laughs> so so you're, you're not going to get away from large-scale breed production, <laughs> racks, cages that are you know not fleshed out with plants and UV light and all this craziness. Um, I don't think you'll ever get away from that. Uh, as long as there's a huge demand for affordable pet reptiles, that will always be how the the large portion of production happens. But I think what we're seeing is uh, more of an awareness and an awakening towards some of the sensitivities in animals and the care and and just kind of being a little more... I guess humanitarian or I don't know what the, what the word is, but trying to like just be more considerate overall, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And everything that we can provide for these animals. Cause even though folks are breeding their pets, they're still their pets. Um, And I think, I think people like seeing that more. I think it makes them feel a little bit better. 
about what they're doing and you see much more of a push towards you know captive born and bred from like really ethical sources of people who do it the way that people like um and it's it's not always it's not always possible but i do like seeing that there are more people pushing towards that um and breeding mm-hmm. more that way but man when i see some people setting up big decked out fleshed out cages i'm like whoa that's gonna suck to clean <laughs> <laughs> yeah as, as a zookeeper and somebody that understands how much goes into something like that you know it's, so it's a work. it's a give and take <laughs> you have to maintain that enclosure not oh, just yeah. the animal you like it's more work stubs. there's yeah, no it's doubt a lot more work no doubt especially so, if you have living plants and all these yeah. other things you know yeah. every element that goes into that that makes it so cool is also more work <laughs> yeah yeah and and ish in the chat brings up a good point there's a lot of uh inaccurate info and literature there's still publications saying snakes need 90 degree hotspots. Mm. there's a lot of stuff good that point. still has to get kind of like cleared out get yeah. rid of these old trains of thought these these yeah. um very outdated husbandry ways of dogma yeah so there there is a lot of change going on and i think we're seeing a lot more research going into it and getting back to that monitor keeping podcast episode with ryan mcveigh i highly recommend going and listening to it because it really makes me think that at the very least we should be providing all of our animals uh vitamin a through lighting and i think there's i think um you can get vitamin a just out of like led sometimes but anyway that or uva not vitamin a uva got it okay um Gosh, where did I get vitamin A? Wake up. More coffee. Um, UVA UVA seems to be pretty essential to like everything. So it's kind of interesting to hear and see how husbandry standards are changing like that. And not that like what we're doing is wrong or bad, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how like what it means to be a reptile keeper, what that looks like in 10 years or like a hobbyist breeder even. I don't think you'll ever get rid of racks. That'll always be a standard, especially for species like ball pythons. But right. I think it'll. I think a lot's changing. No, I agree, and and I think it's it's a matter of, and we've talked about this a lot, right? Like racks have their place, absolutely. You know, keeping animals in racks doesn't make you a bad person, and there's plenty right. of ways to do it. You can keep an animal in a more enriched, better environment in a drawer than a cage with just paper and a bowl, like a box, mm-hmm. a box. It's what you do with the box that elevates the husbandry, not what ty- type of box it is. The box mm-hmm. is a box. Right. That being said, um, I think what what we are what we're seeing is just kind of an elevation of of the floor, right? Because mm-hmm. you're always going to have people that go above and beyond mm-hmm. and do some incredible stuff um, for their animals, right? But right. but I think what what we're noticing, and in my opinion, it's a really good. Uh, thing is that kind of that base level of keeping is being elevated a little bit so that the new people, the people that are getting, you know, their feet wet for the first time, instead of starting with their level of care expectations here, you know, it's kind of like, no, when you're, when you're getting into this, you need to be starting more about here, you know, (laughs) a little bit, a little bit of a better uh, baseline standard. And, And I think that's only a good thing. Um, for a few reasons. I mean, obviously it it should be very clear to us now that there is a difference, um, between really basic 
uh, setups and setups that offer some enrichment. Reptile mm -hmm. enrichment is a mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also, if 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 you're a new person and and the uh, the base level of care is a little bit higher, that might weed out some people that really weren't going to be good keepers in the first place. If that sure. seems like too much work to them to do the bare minimum, uh, you know that I see that as a good thing too. If you know you kind of uh, weed out folks that weren't willing to, to do even a bare minimum level of acceptable care. Yeah. Uh, that's my thought. Yeah. yeah. And I think the more that people go out into the field and research and see things like Woma's digging up sand and stuff. Yeah. I think it also just gets people more excited to keep in different ways so they can see some of this behavior. So I think that's really cool. I think a lot of the arboreal guys already, kind of understand and appreciate seeing behaviors from their arboreal animals, like perching certain ways or catching them coming down for a drink or catching them caught alluring on the right per and just being comfortable. Like, I think, I think we're starting to see more of that shift. Absolutely. I, I know that I've said it before, but for me, what I geek on geek out on the most with my animals is when I see them uh, performing behaviors and activities that reflect their natural history because if i'm giving them the opportunity to show that behavior you know i'm replicating something mm -hmm. properly enough to stimulate that and mm -hmm. you know would you rather see your animal just kind of sitting on the paper towel waiting for something to happen all day or would you like to see it kind of living the life that that it was uh instinctually evolved to live and and right. give them the opportunities to to show you Right. How they tick. Um, right. Yeah. I think that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I just, I see a dichotomy within my room based mm -hmm. on my species. And I think it also comes down to how we think of some of these animals, right? Mm -hmm. Like we think of pythons and, and some boas as just tough, whatever. So we mm -hmm. kind of just, that's our approach. But like behind me, my Kribos and my rainbows, they have very specific like substrates and lots of stuff going on. But over there, it's a more sterile, hide box, water bowl, mm -hmm. nest box, a tube maybe. And, and that's kind of it on right. that nice, you know, pulp paper and it's clean. Right, right. My animals are healthy. They have everything they need. They're all coiled up sleeping. They can thermoregulate, do whatever they want, but it doesn't look like a natural, you know, sort of planted cocoa husk, like hide logs and sticks, you know, mm -hmm. but neither animal is like stressed or, right. uh, you know, denied anything, so to speak. It just looks different and uh, absolutely it's two and different I think approaches. that's a really good point too is that i think that sometimes for people maybe people that have been around a while and kind of struggle with changing methodologies i think kind of when you hear enriched or or you know similar terms like that the first thought is more expensive mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and i think that it's probably a good thing to point out that it doesn't have to be like sure Enrichment doesn't have to be the most naturalistic looking fake rock and the old like, cereal box that you like. There you go. Like wipe your I dirty mean, socks on your leftover paper towel tube, like yeah. anything like that. Like these plastic bins, the brettles use it just like they would a, a rock ledge. It's a plastic mm -hmm. bin. You know, that's that wasn't that hard for me. But now right. now that I have that and I see that. I'm never taking those things out because <laughs> the snakes like them and, and yeah. use them. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, you can be creative. It doesn't all have to be zoo level uh, decor, you know, to, 
to improve upon what you're doing. It can be something right. as simple as like what you said, a piece of cardboard. <laughs> Something's better than nothing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I just hope that um, the hobby with so many more people coming into it from different angles kind of come into it understanding that there's multiple ways to approach this and that, mm -hmm. you know, the, the whole outrage thing of that we were seeing a lot of like everybody yelling at other people for the way they keep things online and stuff is obviously pushed a lot of people away and, yes. and really kind of putting a sour taste to a lot of that stuff. So some people probably just shy away from showing off their collection entirely. Like I don't do. Absolutely. I don't do videos of my room for that reason, because I just don't want to yeah. deal with, you know, and somebody I've, I, with a huge opinion about it because it's none of their business. Exactly. And, and that's a fact. I've heard that a lot from people that are, you know, looked up to a hobby. They, they don't want to post anything about yeah. their, their setups because they, they Get feel this chewed alive by all yeah, these keyboard warriors. They feel this shift for certain people to, you know, shoot down anybody that keeps an animal in a rack. And it's like, they, they just, they don't even want to share things anymore because they're just going to get, you know, shat upon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not where, a good thing. It's not productive. Yeah. That's, that's where the understanding needs to come back. And that's why I keep reminding, you know, anyone who's listening that like, racks are not going away sterile keeping is not going away it has its place it's important there's a reason why your snakes are affordable instead of costing thousands of dollars and being very 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 scarce like accept it acknowledge it be okay with it because that's the reality of it but i also want to acknowledge that the folks that are doing the natural keeping and push for that i think that's wonderful and i think that's a great shift for the mainstream i think that's like if you're a pet keeper keeping one animal or something at home, even if you're buying it from a breeder who does it on, you know, in mass or something, you can still keep it that way. And I've got people who like hit me up. They're like, oh, I want to be a bit, you know, carpet from you. I don't want a breed or anything. I just want one, you know, how do you recommend to set it up? And I give them completely different recommendations that way. Oh, yeah. I know they just want to set up a nice display and have a wonderful animal. So there's different approaches and I have no problem with that. And, and those people also understand that me keeping in racks and why I do it is important. And they understand that, but there's a lot of people out there that come out of the woodwork and shame people and just right. really, you know, it's an interesting term I've heard um, recently that kind of caught my, my attention. And I was a little bit disappointed that there's now a term about it. It's um, rack raised rack raised rack raised everything is rack raised <laughs> it's a thing now like there are there are customers looking you're gonna put a baby in a 40 gallon long no yeah. no there, there are people who are le legitimately like taking that into consideration when they're buying snakes is it is it rack raised it was rack raised so that's probably why it has a hard time eating i'm like what the hell does that's that very, mean? That's but very then I get misguided. it. I get it though. Like, think about it. They're 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 classifying how the baby was born and how it was brought up and how that affects where they buy from because they want to keep differently. I guess now, my question would be: what's what's the op what's not rack raised? What's the opposite? I don't know. They I just don't think they realize that most breeders don't have like a 40 gallon glass tank for every ball python or whatever it is. And that like 
That's, Dude, they'd die. They would. <laughs> they would. Like you could. You could do one or two that way, and like have it all customized out in a humid room, and do it all, and do all this stuff. But yeah, like, where do you think these are coming from? Yeah, that that one. I'm sorry, that one just doesn't make sense to me. Well, the problem with it is that it has a divisive connotation to it. It yeah. divides, and it and it has like this implied uh, value that like rack raised is not as good as whatever the alternative is. I'm that's, not sure. That's what I'm still trying to figure out. Bob <laughs> Evans has it right here. Free range. Free range. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely. To those people, ludicrous. I guess, you know, without getting too judgy and, and, you know, trying to accept that at face value, I think that mm, what I would say to those people is if that snake Let's say we're talking about a rack raised carpet python. Okay, mm -hmm. let's go with that. Mm -hmm. If that snake was born in the wild, the first thing it would do out of the egg is beeline it for the smallest, most compact crack in a rock or hole in a tree or whatever it could possibly uh -huh. find, shove itself as far in there as possible and try not to die. So I, again, I, the box is a box. <laughs> yeah, it's just silly. It's just really silly. And, and I think there's a lot of people who are coming into the hobby and, and buying animals and listening with, and coming at it with an open mind and admitting that they don't know. But not everyone is like that. I think a lot of people see some source of information and assume that that's, that's fact or that's how it all is. And then you get some disconnect and some challenges in communication. And then that's when things go awry. You know, that's when customers are unhappy or or breeders are annoyed or, you know, somebody gets upset and starts venting on Facebook because they had a bad experience because they just simply don't understand or, you know, the communication wasn't there and they've just come at it from this assumption of that things are different than they actually are. And it, it can make things really tricky, but, um, right. And, you yeah. know, I guess that's where, again, I kind of have to zoom out a little bit and cause mm -hmm. the, the first response to hearing a term like that is like, what like yeah. <laughs> like that's ridiculous but then we also have to remember that the people using that terminology probably have nothing but animal welfare on their sure. minds you know they're probably well-intentioned and just sure. don't understand yep. so probably the best way to handle something like that is to just be patient and and try to explain some natural history yep. and uh some uh you most know most people are very glad to learn that information for sure the natural history stuff isn't necessarily the easiest to 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 search up or, or kind of find for somebody who might not know right enough about that species yet they just piqued I, their interest exactly and i can almost guarantee it you know depending on what species we're talking about i can almost guarantee if you put a baby rack sized bin closed water bottle uh, water bowl hide you know just take your baby bin put a lid on it and then put that thing inside like a three foot long and put your baby loose in there. It's going to choose the little pin with the, the hide mm -hmm. anyway. <laughs> all day. All day. Absolutely. Just kind of try to explain that. I, yeah. It's, it, it's just <laughs> interesting. It's really, you know, we really just have to remember that everybody comes from a different like place of perspective when they're trying to buy or whatnot. Right. But, um, yeah, I just, I heard that, that term <laughs> recently and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> That's an interesting one. That's a new one. Um, yeah, it seemed kind of judgy, 
that was kind of my first gut impression was like, oh, you're a really judgmental type of buyer. Mm. If you're doing that, you're going around like, it's like saying I'm vegan. <laughs> you're I'm better than you. It's like, stop it. At least with um, vegan, you know what they're talking about. Like the alternative is eating plants, but the alternative yeah. to rack raised is no. what? <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, know. it's really yeah. interesting how, how, um, how customers have changed these days. Mm. Um, I, I sometimes envy how it used to be back in the day where you get a mailed price list and you have to send them like a postage stamp and like a couple bucks if you want a photo and they send you a <laughs> Polaroid in the mail. And then like, you're lucky if you get any, like you, you know, you buy the snake side and scene, like, there was no haggling. There was no BS. There yeah. was no. Yeah, it forces get, you to wait too. Yeah, and, and it was interesting. Not make impulse decisions. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, I put out a video recently talking about customer etiquette. And right. yes. I kept it rather short. I didn't flesh it out long. I didn't want it to get into this thing. There's so many people that had great comments and additional things to say afterwards that like could have absolutely been brought into the video and, and made it longer and is stuff that I didn't think of. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Um, I would say 99% of people agreed, but there was, you know, still a, a couple 1% response of people who really just, you know, didn't like hearing the reality of, of how it is to buy snakes these days. I mean, mm. the, the bottom line of what I was trying to get across was that, there's so many people in the hobby right now that um, breeders really have a lot of people trying to get their animals. Um, they can kind of pick and choose, you know, the easiest route for them or whichever customer they like. And then the other challenge with that is, is everybody can access stuff via social, social media, super digital and, because of the whole texting phenomenon when we were kids and offhand little slang, little shorthands and stuff, grammar, punctuation, and apparently respect have gone out the window in digital communication for some, not for all, for some. Sure. And, and I think my, my whole point of the video was there's a lot of ways to be a respectful buyer and there's a lot of ways to, to shoot yourself in the foot just by not, you know, thinking in common courtesy. And you mm -hmm. got to remember that this is not, this is not people trying to compete for your business. It's the other way around. Um, I don't know. It, it was just, yeah. it was interesting and it goes across the board. It, it wasn't necessarily a Morelia specific thing. And so I, I didn't want to make or, it like or a, huge... a reptile specific thing either. It, I yeah. Mean, it's kind of sales in general. What right? I, took away from from your video more than anything is is just just be a decent human being like have yeah. some respect and you know just try not to be a jackass like that's and then, and then that's really what it boils down to you know communicate well right. you know right. like i understand language barriers it's really easy to to see when there's a language barrier at play in a text message it's really easy um, to see that somebody, you know, probably doesn't speak English as their first language and they're making an effort, you know, that's sure. That's a different thing. It's really yeah. easy to tell that that's going on. And most of the time those folks will apologize in advance, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but what, I guess what most breeders I hear vent about are the people that 
lowball them, mm -hmm. uh, just come at them and expect that, you know, they're going to deserve the best animal at whatever price break. Right. Uh, and just a lot of this entitlement. And those messages with no greeting that just says like, yo, what's cheapest snake? <laughs> like, yeah. You, you know, what's your cheapest snake is like the worst thing you can ask any yeah. breeder. Like, don't do that. <laughs> um, that's an insult to what they've been working hard to produce. Uh, yeah. You want a cheap snake, go to, go to a plant store, buy a painted rock with a snake on it or something. Like <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that it just, you know, there's, a million ways to approach any topic or conversation and you should always try to to pick the one that is the most like respectful courteous like there's no reason to just because it's through text and you're not talking there's no reason to just forego yeah like Formality being introducing polite. yourself <laughs> hi yeah. my name is like i mean it, it's kind of crazy to to say but i feel like a lot of the reason that you know, I've been lucky enough to to become friends with folks like, you know, you and Eric and Nick and people that, you know, I obviously when I jumped into this, I didn't know what I was doing at all. But, you know, I looked up to you guys and tried to always approach you guys with the utmost respect and, and you know, be polite. And you just get a better response that way. Like people mm -hmm. actually want to talk to you when, when you're yeah. a good person. So, yeah, I don't thing, know. I, the thing with Morelia is it's so exciting when somebody's curious and genuine about learning about the species. It's like, yeah, I'd gladly impart some wisdom and share things with you. Cause if you're going to join the community, I'd rather have you be an informed and, and positive contributing member of the Morelia community rather than leave you misguided and misinformed and just let you go flounder. Like, mm -hmm. you know, obviously I, we can't help everyone. We're not always available. We have our own lives, but like if you message me and you're like, Hey, I, if you, if you don't mind when you have some free time, I have some questions. Like I've had, I've had some folks recently doing that and absolutely I will answer those questions as soon as I have time. Like, even if it's quick offhand, I always get back to them. Like not a problem answering that, but yeah, there's just, there's just an approach. There's a respect. There's, there's manners, there's, there's etiquette. There's, right. there's a lot to it and, and it might be subconscious to some folks and it might be something that people have to actively try and remember, but there are people who are just not polite out there and no. then they, they get upset when a breeder doesn't want to sell them a snake or they don't get the response they want or whatever. It's like that whole idea of quote, the customer's always right. In my opinion, so that goes so far flying out the window as soon as we're talking about especially living things. Like mm -hmm. maybe the customer could always be right at like an office max or something. I don't know, like <laughs> something maybe. inconsequential. But like, no, the customer is quite literally usually wrong when we're talking about, you know, very, very specialized husbandry for <laughs> reptiles amphibians you know things like that i don't know it's yeah. just that that needs to go out the window in my opinion when you're talking about living things uh, and by the same token the breeder's not always right either sure, nobody's sure. always right <laughs> yeah they're they're actually so i did get a couple so i try to always respond to comments right no matter what yeah um 
And I, I had a couple people that like harped on there and like, you should be breeding if you don't have time. I was like, that's not how it works. And I'm going to explain why. Really and that's quick. not your point either. You're not right. saying no, you don't have time. They completely <laughs> missed the point. I, yeah. I can tell when people aren't listening, they're just commenting because right. they've got a pre sort of thought out response. Right. So I can tell who those people are and, and they missed the point. And usually I can give them one comment and they shut up after that. One guy actually tried to really shit on me and I like went after him. And he pulled his entire comment thread. I was like, no, this is not how it works. This is not, you're wrong. Here's why. Here's example X, Y, and Z. And like an hour later, his entire comment thread was gone because he was mm -hmm. in the wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's, there's just, people are putting their time and effort into these animals. And if you are going to, um, if you're just going to like, you know, act like they owe you that snake at whatever discount or eat shipping like why would they want to work with you if you come at somebody and you're like hey i i really admire the work you've done with this this line or this project or this species i've been watching it from afar you know i can't afford them right now but i just want to let you know whenever i can i'd really like to be able to buy one from you most breeders will tell you exactly like oh i've got some this year i'll make some more you know no worries just hit me up when you're ready sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely don't start the conversation if you don't have money, but you can always say, you know, Hey, I appreciate your work and this and that. And then when it does come time to buy, they can scroll up in the message and see that they've already messaged you once before and been respectful and polite and Hey, so on and so forth. This is, you know, Riley, I've now I'm in the market, you know, sort of thing. And right. there's, there's just a way that there's a way to do it. Um, yeah. It's a good way to shoot yourself in the foot for years to come if you hit somebody up you know how mm -hmm. much for this snake can i get some pictures the breeder accommodates you and then you say haha maybe next time when i actually have the money like that's just right you know why did right. you ask in the first place kind of thing yeah so. and and i understand life changes so like i've had people hit me up they're like hey when this clutch hatches can you let me know and then i hit them up they're like hey i you know i had to mm -hmm. whatever and, and i i never you know, get upset about that. That's also why I don't do deposits or down payments or any of that stuff. Cause I don't like committing to anything before it's you know even in existence or whatever, yeah. but, but you know, yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is to your point, there's different ways to initiate contact besides mm -hmm. like pretending to be able to buy something you can't buy. Like for that very same situation, you just could have been like, I'm super stoked on your clutch. Like, I think that's awesome. And I, I can't get anything right now, but I'd love to like see more pictures, get more info, you know, like that's cool too. Yeah. And either they'll have time to get back to you on that or they won't, but yeah, I don't know. Like you're saying, I mean, it's just, it's just about some courtesy and, and trying courtesy to keep in mind that, and communication. Right. And trying to keep in mind that for most of these folks, like you, you're the thing you're contacting them about is, an extension of their life. Like these people, most of us all have day jobs. We all have other things that's going on. Like not everybody is a full-time snake breeder that can just be at, you know, at beck and call all day. So right. it, it's right. just, you got to keep perspective on, on stuff like that and, and not be mm -hmm. too entitled. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I get what you're saying. And I think that a lot of, well, not a lot of people, but some people misinterpret it as like you saying. Uh, people like, think it's arrogant. Right. But that's not that's not your point. Like, I'm not an arrogant person. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, though. I can see how they think it's arrogance if if they're not listening. 
Like if they're not paying attention and they're not actually listening and they think I'm just some dude on a microphone saying you got to come correct or you get nothing. Like right. I could see how an ignorant person who's not listening very closely would see that, but that's because they're an ignorant person. Now there's <laughs> nothing wrong with being ignorant, but uh, thinking that that's correct and not being able to admit when you don't know something, that's not necessarily okay. I think, I think there's just, you know, there were a couple comments that really like absolutely highlighted the entire point of my video. Yeah. And exactly. it was, it was perfect that one yeah. of the guy who actually deleted his whole comment thread, uh, I was like, you are, ex you're exemplifying exactly what this video is talking about. Mm -hmm. Like you are exactly the customer I'm talking about. And he deleted his comments. Why? Hopefully he had a, a moment of realization. <laughs> because I was correct. Yeah. That's the thing. It's it's just all about being polite. I don't know Adam from Eve on the internet, but like I guarantee you if I try and go and hit somebody up from somewhere online, the first thing I'm going to do is, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm, you know, in the market for XYZ. I saw this. I'm interested. Right. Is this still available? You know, that's, that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. It's not like, hey, I was wondering if... I can get some more photos and if you do like 50 bucks off, like <laughs> not even going to respond to that. Like, no, yeah. you don't start by making demands. You start by showing respect. I, and I think, I, I think agree. that needs to become a standard. Um, just human kindness, respect. That's all it is. That's, that's what I really pulled from it. The most is just the lack of, being a good person over the internet like <laughs> even people that would probably approach you completely different in person there's just something about digital communication where for some reason people are just like give snake me cheap <laughs> like, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> robert says the perfect little little line here we have two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen more than talk and i couldn't I like agree that. more i've never yeah. heard that that's a good mm -hmm. one robert mm -hmm. <laughs> Listen more than you speak. Soak it up. Learn what the traditions are. Learn what the standard is. Learn what the people who came you before you have, have built. You also have two eyes. Yeah, so by that logic. See, you should be reading a lot more too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think, I just think, I think uh, the social media world has kind of made people forget some of the basics, you know, common courtesy. Yeah. And so. those folks are going to miss out. So, yeah. you know, there, I, I, there is a I little wanted... bit of built in justice, but yeah. you, you'd like to see less of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it is what it is. You know, it's uh reptile natural selection. So, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Question. Um, oh, here's a good one. Let's pull it it says, up. Yes. I understand rarity and locality morph and availability, but how is the general price market set for snakes? Like how do breeders set their initial prices? That's a really good question. And it's actually one of the hardest things for people breeding to do, unless there's like a well-established like, like precedent, like Nick probably doesn't have a hard time because he's, he's kind of been doing it for so long. He can mm -hmm. look at the demand and what last year was at and kind of adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see his trends a little bit, like mm -hmm. watching how he's treated uh, the stonewashed, pricing mm -hmm. over the years you know he kind of mm -hmm. has a little bit of a, a methodology a little bit of formula knowing right. how many of them there are because he created them right um, it's yeah. it's hard though because it, it really does takes a bit of take a bit of comparative analysis 
understanding the market demands, understanding kind of how much of that type of animal is out there. Mm -hmm. And then also understanding what realistically people are, are willing to pay for. And then taking into account some quality variation and, and right. you know, there's a lot of other variables, but like you kind of look at what other things that are similar in the market are like and, and what people's response are. So like, if you're trying to, trying to do jungles, okay. You, you kind of have like, this is the, the low end of what jungles are. And this is like the high end. So like, I don't know what's a low end jungle, 250 bucks, a high end jungle, 750. So there's your range. Mm -hmm. So you play within that. And then you just look at what other people are producing, the quality comparison. Um, the other thing too, is like, you know, anybody can make a jungle, but somebody who's just making a jungle and doesn't have a name for themselves really is going to have a hard time commanding the same price as somebody who's already got an established, sure. you know, a high reputation for good quality, like David Haston, for example, um, yeah. he can command top shelf stuff all day because it's David Haston. He's got pure lineage. He's put in the work, the time, yeah. the effort he's known for that. And he's done his due diligence. And so that creates value in that way. So there yeah. is some supply and demand. There is some availability and that sort of creates the, the overall parameter and bumpers, if you will, for what the high and low end are, but then sure. your quality animals, the animals producing them, so on and so forth. So it, it, it's, yeah, it's not so cut and dry. Every time I, I have babies, that's like the hardest thing to figure out is like, what's, you know, what's the price. And so for me, I, I kind of, I look to the folks who are maybe doing the most. So like Nick, again, because he does kind of produce stuff all across the board, he kind of is a good, a good barometer of what sort of people are paying for. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and think that that also a lot of value comes along with his uh, his work with lineage. You know, at least for me, I find immense value in getting an animal with a detailed record of, of its background, you know, compared to an animal that might look just as good. But what were the parents? Oh, I don't know. Got them at a pet shop. You know, like it's a different thing. Um, but that just depends on whether you value that or not. Um, yeah. you know, that's more of a personal preference, but like you're saying, there's yeah. a lot of different things that can affect the value. The sure. And then, value. and then your, per, your perceived value is different than a customer's perceived value. Yep. And you know, then it also depends on what they want. Like somebody might just be a high end collector and, and the price doesn't matter to them. If it's, if it's the snake they want, they right. understand that and they they'll do what it takes. And, and then there's people who maybe have a goal in mind for a breeding project or a look. And then they've shopped around and as they've kind of looked around, they've gotten an idea of what all those prices are. And it sort of gives them a, a rough ballpark. Mm -hmm. So, now, it, yeah. And this is a, a perfect opportunity to ask you because what I was just going to say is I think where it gets tricky is when you're in that rare position to mm -hmm. have something that has not previously existed. Mm -hmm. Because then you're kind of firing blind a little bit in terms of trying to figure out a price. So sure. let's say, for example, you happen to be a guy named Riley that just hatched probably the world's first albino citrus tigers. So where oh, do you go if you decide <laughs> that you wanted to sell one in terms of basically creating a price for something with no precedent set? I think that's where it gets tricky. That's... Yeah, that's a scary thought. Um, <laughs> I have I have thought about that. It is mm -hmm. scary. Um, that's 
kind of the more ambiguous side of this all is when something pops out for the first time and then, you know, it's like you, you can yeah. look at, at comps, but at the end of the day, you really don't have anything to compare it to. Right. So I, yeah, I don't have anything to compare it to. Like I kind of know what the market sets for pure Darwin albinos right now. So I know that. Right. I know where Nick values his tiger albinos and how the market's response to that is. And, and that seems to be two, two semi similar variables that I'll keep in mind, but ultimately albinos and tiger albinos aren't the same as a citrus tiger albino, but it, you know, it, then it also depends on how other people regard it, you know? And so mm -hmm. Eric has done a great job talking about it forever generating uh this interest in it and really shown the value in these animals and you know chris has a beautiful one i have a couple beautiful ones like there's a lot of people who have a couple really nice citrus tigers so i think it definitely is different so it has that different aspect it has that unique aspect but yeah i i don't know how how to figure that one out um obviously i'm in no rush they just totally. hatched out, but eventually and you might not even want to move them. I'm just kind of playing well, devil's so, advocate. Yeah, here. <laughs> I mean, but it is something I should think about. And then, mm -hmm. you know, there's the value they hold to me for the amount of time, work, and the the anticipation. There's the value that uh, Eric perceives them because of the time, work, and anticipation. And then there's the value that you know my my audience, my market. Right. Sees and based on their anticipation and, and interest and whatnot. And so it really does come down to who would potentially be interested in buying it. Um, <laughs> and, and then the other thing is, well, right. And then there's the <laughs> other thing, you know, is it a project that needs to be strategically um, decided upon? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I don't think it's like, it's not a species that's like in in uh, in danger of going anywhere. So I don't think it has that like level of craziness. But it, right. you know, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to Eric, and it means a lot to the other folks that are involved in it. So I owe it to everybody involved to maintain some value. So there's another there's mm -hmm. another consideration. You and, know, and you would probably talk to some of those folks, right? Like, oh, hundred percent. I think that's where where my mind goes. Like, if I'm lucky enough to produce like double visual stone wash stripes or something this year, or, mm -hmm. you know, that's something where that precedent hasn't been set yet either. Yeah. So um, you're going to be talking year was to like, Nick and Casey. Exactly. And I'll be calling Nick and I'll, I'll be asking what the heck he wants me to do. <laughs> right. Know? Because there, um, is, there is something to be said for maintaining the integrity of a project because right. other people have, right. you know, set the groundwork for and chatting with, with people that have had to make that kind of call before, you right. know, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't, uh, I, I'm not jealous of you being in that position. That's, tricky. <laughs> That's yeah, tricky. Eric, Eric and I will definitely be talking quite a bit about them. Um, you know, for me, the, because of the origins of the project and, and whatnot. Um, I've already told Eric, he can, you know, he can have whatever he wants from that clutch. So he's going to, he's going to get to pick whatever he wants. And then from that point on, you know, once he and I figure out what we want, then it's kind of looking at, okay, what's left? Because if there's only two or three albinos that he and I aren't keeping, then it's no longer six albinos that are available. It's like two or three. And then, 
you know, the gender and who they go to kind of matters to me because I don't want to just put out an albino citrus tiger to somebody who might like flip it or forget the information on it or it gets lost to the ether. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, but I can price it at a point that might keep somebody out of, of that contention just, you know, so there's some strategy in pricing, but like, mm-hmm. I also don't want to bottom out and undervalue like the value of Darwin albinos or Nick's tiger albinos or anybody else's projects. Like, mm-hmm. but it, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. I'll tell you right now, uh, if there are any albinos available in the future from this clutch, they are not going to be cheap. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So. But, they shouldn't be. <laughs> but that's the thing. I could, you know, say I have a couple available and I put them up at what I think they're worth. If nobody buys them. Right. But then what exactly. that tells me is that. I value getting, them differently than everybody else. Yeah. Then you're getting your feedback. Yep. Then, like I've then, seen it, that, then it becomes uh, a decision like, do I want to cut the price and, and move them? Or do they mean too much to me to do that? Exactly. Like I've seen the, the you know, world's first hypo stripe brittles on Nick's mm-hmm. site. There's only seven of them in the world until mm-hmm. hopefully me and Nick and Brandon Wheeler make some more this year. Right. But, uh, you know, those have been sitting on Nick's site. He, he put two up he let two be available for three grand a piece and you know they haven't been moved so maybe that's something where that that demand piece is is kind of given feedback and and we'll see what he does with it going forward yeah um, ultimately they're his snakes to do with what he pleases so exactly he he's definitely influencing how the value changes if at all over time he could choose mm-hmm. to never drop the value on them and keep them. And then someday somebody might come around and still buy them. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you're halting the decline in value of something over time, because ultimately when something's new, its value is at its highest. Or if somebody rehashes something else and reinvigorates, you know, a new angle to work with it. And then all of a sudden it grows value again, but you know, it's all, it's all cyclical. It all changes. Things typically start high and gradually decrease, but right. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. And then when everybody see. forgets about them and <laughs> they go back up with whoever that persistent son of a bitch is that kept doing them anyway. And then right. <laughs> we see and it they go come around. back around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So beautiful. All I know is that, um, these are the first albinos I've hatched out. So this is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, I'm so uh, stoked for you. I hope they all do well. I hope they thrive. I can't wait to see them shed. I can't wait to see kind of more clearly what's going on with them. Uh, yeah. Pattern wise, color wise, just really, really happy. And then the fact that they were maternally incubated is like oh, even yeah. cooler. Yep. Give me they all about- came out huge, man. Nice. Yeah, that's that's what we're trying to see here with my yeah, little buddy. <laughs> that baby was 29 grams. Yeah. Um, so an, another feather in that hat. Yeah, it, it's it, they're all in the high 20s. There's a 30. There's a 30. So yeah, they're all big babies, you know. That that goes to to that point. Um, yeah, and the the IJ babies, the pop ones that hatched out are in the low to mid 20s. Hmm. 
It's, it's very interesting. It's like I a mean, 20 to 25% difference. Give me about three, three and a half months, and hopefully I'll be holding up my little first hatchlings too. Yeah, <laughs> man. It takes so long. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it though. And it's really easy to do maternal incubation if your ambient is in mm. acceptable parameters. Your your snake has kind of found where she wants to to be, and, and you just let her go, let it ride. Dude, it's... It's yeah. easy. You do nothing. You do nothing. You For leave sure. her alone. So For sure. it's the coolest thing, man. Maternal incubation. I, I saw somebody post something that they got a, a small clutch of some coastals that was maternally incubated by a jag and it didn't look like it went so well. I think they lost a lot of eggs, but man, that has not been my experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted only two, two times, small sample size, but it's so cool. It's so <laughs> cool. Like, yeah. I have a feeling you see the little baby head poking out of mom's clothes and you're like, they're hatching. They're hatching. <laughs> I, you know, I could be proved completely wrong, but I have a feeling that this one up top, the one that's in pre lay shed right now, I think she's going to be a good mom. I just have a feeling like mm -hmm. she's one of those ones that just seems pretty bright for some reason to yeah, me, yeah. or at least very aware. So, I don't know. Yeah, she doesn't seem as as stupid as some of my other animals. So <laughs> hopefully well, she proves me right. <laughs> it's interesting because some snakes will be good moms and some won't. And then exactly. some years they'll change. Like my Xanic Coastal, her first year scattered eggs everywhere. Second year, beehived them. So, <laughs> you know, Depends um, on the day. <laughs> we have another question. Yeah. Supposed to hold off after the umbilical cord drops off food. So basically my approach for babies with carpets and i think this is kind of across the board is not only do you wait for them to shed but you wait a few weeks afterwards because they've just absorbed a bunch of yolk they're chilling uh calorically they've got plenty of what they absorbed out of the egg or they should so usually you don't get a lot of interest for the first few weeks i find that uh if i start offering food it's usually about four weeks after they've had their first shed that's usually when i start offering new babies um they're just not always that hungry that early i've had babies feed before their first shed but it was like a baby that was taking months to have its first shed and i was feeding everything else so i was just like you gotta get going somehow and that that's not very common i think i've only had that happen like two or three times but um yeah it, it's it's interesting babies can take a long time before they want food and then mm -hmm. Probably yeah, depends I mean, on the species a little bit too. Yeah, well, he's yeah. got he's got some albino Darwin. Uh, okay. Two babies that hatched out, so he's uh, he's nice. gonna have he's gonna have that experience. And I've heard that Darwins can be a little bit trickier with getting started. Yeah. At least in the states, not over in Oz. I don't know why. I don't know what we do different, but. Uh, I've heard that brittles can be a bit of a pain too. So that'll be fun for me. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, you know, it's all about learning and having those experiences and trial and error. And along the way, you become more in tune with your animals and you yeah. just learn to really appreciate, you know, the process. And trust me, that definitely uh, gives you an idea of the value in your offspring because you know how much work you you put into getting them started and getting them established and feeding, yeah. especially if they're tricky. You know you're not gonna you're not gonna take a, a an animal that you put in a lot of work getting them going and feeding, and then somebody is gonna like lowball the heck out of your price. You're gonna feel very upset. Like the man, first yeah, happens, you're gonna be real disappointed that somebody said it, that to you. It goes back to to 
getting the parents in a position to even be ready to lay too. Like it's not just the babies. <laughs> yeah, it's a I long just... series of events to get to a viable offspring. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever really haggled much on price ever in buying a snake. I can't really think of any. I've never done that. <laughs> any instance where I've been like, will you eat shipping or can you do any better? Like, I don't think I've ever done that. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just, I, I also don't buy snakes a lot anymore, so I can't recall. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I can't say that. Yeah. you. Well, the thing for you is you, you go after stuff where you, you can't get it anywhere else. So you can't haggle. That's true. And I wouldn't want to anyway. I, yeah. I just can't, you know, sometimes I can't believe that the opportunities are yeah are available to me that right. most recent one was just right place right time you know what i'm talking about but that was just stupid that was so lucky <laughs> it was just stupid yeah that was not real <laughs> no, and and i'll i'll fill everybody in later but i don't yeah, want to put the time. horse in front of the cart and run it over yeah and next week eric will probably be back with us he had a work meeting this week um so as you can tell we've just been running loose here but uh um, <laughs> There's a, if, you, if you guys have been paying attention, you'll have that the uh, Australian Herpetological podcast is out and up and running. Yes. Monitor Keeping podcast has more episodes coming out left and right. We aired. Uh, yep. The Reptile Fight Club finally yep. dropped. So that's another I'm halfway podcast through under the Empire episode Network. two right now. Yeah. Sensationalism. It's a good one. I haven't started that one yet. That's going to yeah. be on for my my cleaning later today. It's, it's fun. Um what else uh yeah there's still the patreon there's the teespring store check yep. out npr uh really python radio network.com yep uh, more call your bird corner coming soon i think after a little bit of a break right yep we've got two more episodes already in the works we're just rep getting those already going and then we're going to be working on a few more we've got a good long list going so uh we'll be recording some more in a couple weeks i think and uh yeah so there's three two more that are in the lineup that'll be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, obviously NPR is still going. You had uh, a recent episode on your show, yes. humans yep. of herpeticulture. Um, yep. Uh, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. I, I'm not even going to try and. Okay. Go to the off. website to see all the yeah. podcasts. There's a lot of them. There's probably yeah. something for you. <laughs> yep. And for all of our patrons, I believe we are looking at this coming Sunday for uh, the exclusive uh, patron-only Q&A session. So check your emails for that. Definitely let us know if you don't get an email because the first round, uh, some emails didn't go through, I think. Um, it's really easy for us to get it to you. We're just trying to make the system streamlined and double check that it works. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that if you're a patron in the Inland Carpet tier. And otherwise, um, we're going to jet on out of here. Uh, Ish says he hasn't been able to find Reptile Fight Club. It might still be coming up on Apple, but definitely mm -hmm. check it out on Spotify. It's definitely yep. on Spotify. That's where um, I've been. Apple Podcast just takes longer to approve certain shows nowadays. It can take up to a couple weeks sometimes, so. Right. Um, but you should definitely be able to find it. And, uh, yeah, without any further ado, we're going to let you all get back to your Mondays. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to the recording episode, we hope you enjoyed the casual banter of the interns this week. And, uh, <laughs> Eric will be joining us next week again, hopefully. And yeah. we'll just keep this, uh, this coffee chat going. Absolutely. Riley. Thank you. 
everybody. Thank you, Thank you for joining us. And uh, I hope everybody has a great week. Yep. We'll catch you next week. Adios, muchachos and muchachas. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.